This morning at the Pentecostal of Smyrna, we have a guest speaker, Brother Gary Vick. The title of his sermon is, I'm Becoming. Though we all have a past, God has given us the ability to become more than what our story may say. Are you ready to become who God intended you to be? Then keep listening. And I believe I came to you with a word. We're going to read in Mark chapter number one. I'm going to preach you this thought today. I'm becoming. I'm becoming. The Lord spoke to me when I woke up this morning. He said this word, your story. Your story, oftentimes, is what people have read. It's where you're at from that moment backwards. But do you realize that the Lord knows what your future looks like? To this moment, it's not a story. It's what you're becoming. What's behind you is your story. So I'm going to preach you this idea today. Your adversary has been reading your story. And he reminds you of it all the time. He reminds you every time you messed up, he tells you what your story is. Every time you made a wrong turn, he tells you what your story was. Every time that you slipped up, you, you failed, you did whatever happened, he reminds you of your story. I hope when we get done this morning, that somebody is willing to stand up and say, that was my story, but this is what I'm becoming. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become. I understand that he finished it with three other words, fishers of men. I believe that he made the last statement to identify with what their occupation was. But the important was, he was planning on causing them to become. He was transforming them into something. Would you pray with me right now, Jesus? Touch my mind, my heart. Pray with me, church. God, I'm believing today. God, that you'll do something supernatural in the midst of your people today. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Let you be seated. Jesus said to Simon and Andrew, come ye after me and I'll make you to become. This whole idea about living life. See, we, we live in a day today where there's a lot of first-time churchgoers, a lot of first-time apostolics. Anybody first generation here, you're the first of your family. Okay? So the rest of you are two or three generations. What do you mean by that? Okay, so there's a lot of us that were raised in church. I'm one. I'm five generations. I've got, I've got an ancestry behind me that started church, founding a church, those kind of things. My wife being a first generation, I'm introduced her into the church. So we've got a lot today in our society that are first generationers. Their first time coming into the church. And so they often come into the church already having lived a life and so thus they have a story. We sometimes refer to it as a past. But today I'm just going to refer to it as a story. Even those that were raised in church have a story. 
not all of them walk the straight and narrow. Not all of them live the life that, that lined up exactly the way it should line up. And so we have a story. But today I hope through the flowing of the Holy Ghost that you will come to that understanding that it's only my adversary that wants to remind me of my story. But I today will re- want to remind my adversary it's what I'm going to become. It's not what I, who I am today, but it's who I'm going to become. I said this in leadership last night. The position makes the man or the woman. The position does. The man does not define the position. Oftentimes we find ourselves in a place that we feel like that we're inadequate. This is not for us. But if we just stay there, if we just find ourselves placed in that atmosphere and be content for the moment, we find ourselves beginning to be changed and adapted to that environment. Somebody with me? You go back to the fig tree that was in the vineyard, the vineyard. It's called the vineyard, but if you look at the actual pronunciation and the real definitional meaning there, it was a vineyard. It was a yard where viney plants were grown. And yet the Lord of the vineyard said, cut the fig tree down. Three years now, I've come looking and there's nothing there. If the fig tree could have just spoke, the fig tree would have said, but I'm in a place that I'm not supposed to be. So many times we feel that same way in church. When we come into church, we feel like this is a, this is a place that it's, it's uncomfortable to us. It's not where we're supposed to be because it's not who you are right now. It's who you're going to become. I'll take you to Job chapter 1 and you'll find this. Job 1 and 1 says, And there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. A man that was, <clears throat> what's the four ways that he was described? Perfect, upright, one that feared God, and eschewed evil. Jump with me to verse number 6. Now there came a day when the sons of God came and presented themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. The Lord said to Satan, Whence camest thou? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it. The Lord said to Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, if you would just look back with me to verse 1. Notice how the writer described Job. Perfect, upright, feared God, and eschewed evil. Go back and look at verse number 8. After the Lord says to Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? You are going to notice that the Lord adds a fifth description there is none like him in all the earth then he begins to say perfect and upright and fears God and excuse evil but how is it that the Lord is describing Job now we're in the early days of Job he hasn't lost his kids he hasn't lost his donkeys he hasn't lost all of his gold. All of, he hasn't lost any of this yet. But yet the Lord is already speaking about there is none like him. Is it possible, would you entertain the idea that the Lord knew his future? And the Lord knew that he was fixing to go through a testing time of his life. But you know what the Lord did know? He's going to come out alright. He's going to be okay at the end of this. On the back side of this, he's going to be A-OK. 
Because the Lord is saying to Satan, there is none like him. The Lord was saying it's not who he is right now, but it's who he's fixing to become. There's none like him. God was not talking about who Job was at that moment. God was talking about who he was going to become. Now you understand Job 1, God gives Satan a, a license to take everything from him. Do anything you want to, but you can't touch him. He said, even giving him a license, the Lord is still willing to say, ain't none like him. Isn't it a comforting feeling to know that the Lord, when he says, I'll not put no more on you than you're able to bear? And you and I often question, has he calibrated his scales lately? <clears throat> Excuse me, Lord. Has anybody calibrated the scales? Because it's kind of feeling a little heavy this go around. But he, he makes that statement, I'll put no more on you than you're able to bear. He's already speaking into my life that you're going to make it through this. You're going to be okay. At the end of this day, you're still going to be right. So everything happens. Let's go to Job chapter 2. I love this story. Job chapter 2 verse 1, we again find that the sons of God comes and present himself and Satan came also. Where you been? Walking to and fro in the earth. He comes down to verse number 3. He said, if you consider my servant Job, what does the Lord say again? There's none like him. Wow. So, Job just lost sons and daughters. He's already lost his camels and his donkeys and his mule. He's done lost all these things. And yet the Lord is still willing to affirm that there is nobody on this earth like Job. I've often said, man, this is that moment that God's bragging on Job. I don't know that I can, I don't know that I'm Job enough to take God's bragging. Because it seems to be when God begins to brag on you that everything in the world comes against you, right? But God was bragging to the point because He knew it's not who He is right now, but it's who He's going to become. You and I have got to get that in our spirit today. Because our adversary wants to read us our story. And our adversary every morning in the mirror wants to remind us of every failure, every fault, every trip up, every mistake, every wrong we've ever done. But I'm here to preach to somebody today to tell you it's not who I am, but it's who I'm going to become. It's not where I'm at today, but it's where I'm going. My enemy needs to hear me today. Read my story all you want to. It's a part of my history. But you need to know what my future looks like. My future is bright. My future is I'm living for God and I'm serving God and I'm walking after Him. Praise God. Y'all act like y'all like good preaching. When I say the word Gideon, what do we know about Gideon? Say it out loud. Mighty man of valor. Man, we could just stop right there. Mighty man of valor. 
Anybody know his story though? I don't want to be his adversary for a moment, but just allow me to tell you a little bit about his story. Judges chapter 6, when he is notified that the man of God's looking for him, verse 11 says that he's hiding behind the wine press. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now you guys just told me that he was a mighty man of valor. But yet when the man of God come looking for him, he's hiding. It's amazing when you begin to look at somebody's story. You find that they got some of the same faults you and I got. Oh, come on, Sam. You begin to notice that they have some of the same slip-ups and habits that you and I have got today. Now, see, you immediately, when I said Gideon, you done rushed to who he became. See, I'm preaching to you. You just don't know it yet. I said, Gideon, y'all went to mighty man of valor. You're telling who he became. I want you to understand about his story. Because his story is no different than yours. His story was cluttered with the idea that there was no way possible because when he was hiding behind the wine press and he asked, why are they looking for me? Because he gave this example. He said, I, my family, is the least of all the families. So Gideon is immediately given an excuse. Remember, oh, he's such a mighty man of valor. He's the Midianite whooper. I mean, he's the man that's going to take 32,000 and lose. I mean, he's just going to say, if you're scared, go home. 22,000 of them go home. I mean, what leader? And then God says, I tell you what, I'm going to test the next, next bunch for you. And 9,700 of them leave. He's left with 300. Read the story. I mean, so we immediately understand about all of his, his heroics and the things that he's done. He's such a mighty man. That's who he became. Let's read about his story. My family's the least of the communities. Why are you looking for me? And then, Brother Alfred, he qualifies it even further. He says, I am the least in the family. Does that sound like any of y'all trying to make God excuse God? You can't use me. I don't know why pastor's calling me. There ain't no way in the world I'm doing that. I have no idea. Why in the world does, the, does pastor not know? I got problems. I mean, mighty man of valor, but his story. Y'all with me? But his story, he's hiding. He's making an excuse. See, you and I get so confused. We get so confused that these biblical characters are like superheroes. And nothing could touch them but until somebody like myself begins to dissect it down and get you to understand that every one of them have a story just like you. And it's not about who they were at that moment, but it was about who they were become. And I'm here at Smyrna today telling you this word today. It's not who you are right now. Let your adversary read your story. Let your adversary talk about your story. But somebody ought to stand up and say, let me tell you about who I'm going to become though. It's not over yet. It's, it's not over. 
people want to come to God, but they use these excuses. My past is, is bad. You don't think he didn't know that? If he only knew, I wrote some of these down. If he only knew what I'd done, you don't think he don't know? I mean, it's amazing to me when, I, when I'm trying to work with people and, you know, trying to win people in the kingdom of God and they're trying to give me the reasons why God won't accept them. My past is bad. If he only knew what I'd done, well, ma'am or sir, he knew what you did. He knew that. If the Lord would have just known me, well, he knows you. Here is the biggest one. If I can't forgive myself, how is he going to forgive me? Did somebody hear that? Because somebody need to hear that. One of the biggest challenges that we have in church today is that we can't forgive ourselves. You know why we can't forgive ourselves? Come on, I'm going to preach to you. It's because we have somebody reading us our story every morning. Today is the day it stops. Today we tell the adversary, read on, but I ain't listening. Read on. The reason you can't forgive yourself is because the story is always being told you. It's always being read to you. But today, today it stops. Today I begin to declare, it's not my story, it's who I'm going to become. can't forgive myself so how can he forgive me I just can't believe that the Lord would save me but you find in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and just kind of just brushing through some of these scripture he begins to talk about the unrighteous cannot inherit the kingdom of God and he tells us to be not deceived he said neither fornicators nor idolaters or adulterers effeminate abusers of themselves of mankind thieves Covetous, drunkards, rivers, extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Then he makes this bold statement. Such were some of you. He's talking about those people that had already came to that realization of what salvation looked like. And he was reminding them that you were not perfect either. I dare to say that there's not a man or a woman ever come to this pulpit that could ever say they were perfect. I lost you right there. We should honor them and respect them. But I'll be so bold to say every one of them have had a story. Every one of them have a story. Nor should they go out there and wave their story and remind or try to live their past. But every one of them's got a story. And Paul was trying to say to them that was at Corinth. Remember, such were some of you. You look at mine and Sister Vic's life. January, the second Sunday of this January. We transitioned from, we still are called pastor because the vote is not taking place. But we're not really functioning as full-time pastor anymore. We have a title, but we brought a couple in. And that second Sunday in January, we introduced to the church the couple that our desire to be come pastor. From that 
Sunday, the Lord, like your precious pastor, have called and invited us to be in their churches. And the Lord has opened up opportunities for us to travel across this this beautiful state and be a part of churches just like you today. And to share the word and share what the Lord has placed on our heart and begin to preach faith and bring a bring a level of ministry and that the Lord uses through us. But yet people look at us and they look at our lives and they go, wow. But can I just tell you a little bit about our lives and the wow might not be as wow. Sister Vic, I, I told you I was raised in church. Was not always behind the pulpit. I didn't do everything I was supposed to do. I was a late bloomer. Sister Vic called my house one day when we were juniors in high school, and this was the phone call predated caller ID, predated cell phones, which means you literally had to pick up the phone to find out who was on the other end. My God, what a sin. I mean, that would just freak us out today. Hmm. I mean, because today, I'll just prove it to you. You get a phone call today, and you're looking at it. I ain't doing it. I, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Now I'm preaching. Really, I'm probably pastoring, but I don't want to be pastoring. I ain't doing it. But she called my house and asked for me. My dad gave me the phone. I talked to her for a moment. I said to my dad, he said, who was that? I said, Pat. He said, okay, Pat, who? Pat Lashley. He says, that Frank's daughter. At that time, her dad served as our state representative, later became our state senator. And he said, I ain't got but one thing to say. He puts his pants on just like you do, one leg at a time. And I said, okay, now we got that straight. And I said, hey, can I take Pat to the refuge and let's look at the ducks and geese? Because I have a habit, okay? I don't want prayer for it. I have an addiction and I'm not looking to be delivered. I'm hooked on quack. I didn't say crack. I love to duck hunt. Okay? So forgive me. I've done turned half of you off already right there. I don't want to be delivered today. Come December 1, I'm going to be there. <laughs> he said, yeah, y'all can go. But you need to call her back right now and you need to get a commitment that she's going to be at Friday night youth service in our church. I call her back, hey, we can go to the refuge today, but you got to be in the youth service on Friday night. Okay. I mean, it was just simple. Okay. She says it was my beautiful eyes. I don't know. So we come into church on, on Friday night. And it's just a single aisle down the middle of our small church. And we walk down the left side of the aisle about three quarters of the way back. I slid one seat in and she sat on the edge. And when I sat down being raised in church, I knew how to pray. And I started praying. I said, Lord, Sister Blondell sitting on the very front right up there, making sure he knew who I was talking about. She's sitting right up there on the front. I said, tonight she's worked all week. So I would like for you to let her worship in silence. Just let her raise her hands the most dramatic she needs to do. I just got done praying. I mean, that's all I prayed. Lord, could you let that happen? And it sounded like an air raid siren. It sounded like, you know, air raid siren starts off really slow and just gets louder and louder 
And that's the way Sister Blonde did. I mean, when they started that keyboard up, she was like, I mean, and it, about 30 seconds into it, she stood up, and I'm like, Lord, you ain't listening. I just told you. When she stood up, those little feet, I mean, buddy, they got to going. Now, I knew what I was praying for because the, the girlfriend over here, she'd never been exposed to that, even though she will tell you she had been around 57 varieties of church, but she'd never been in a church where they shouted. And so I was trying to protect her, and she slid over to the end of the pew, and she learned to pray. And she said, Lord, if you get me out of here. This is a true story. Lord, if you get me out of here, I will never, ever be back. Well, January 1st of this year, she has now been serving 24 years as pastor's wife of that church. So see, if, if you look at our lives and follow us and see where we're traveling, we're going and things that are happening, and you just immediately see what we're becoming, but you don't understand our story. I tried to give you a little glimpse about Sister Vic's story. Some of you ladies may have seen her at ladies' conference. She's spoke a couple different times at ladies' conference. She stood on national stages and spoke to thousands of ladies in, in settings and venues like that. And so you, you only get to see where she's becoming. You don't get to hear her story. But if you understand today that every one of us has got a story, but we don't allow the story to stop us from becoming who God has intended for us to be. That's a word for you right now. If I can just be so plain... That is a word for everybody in this room right now. Because every one of you walk through the back door into this chapel with a story. You can choose today to let that story control the rest of your future. Or you can say today, I know God's got something for me. And I want to become what He's got intended for me. Come on, somebody. You, you, you have to make that choice up for your own path. Here's the neat thing, and I, I love your pastor. His, his excitement sometimes tires me. I mean, he, he got more energy. That little energizer bunny ain't got nothing. I hope he still takes me out to eat. It's questionable. But I love his energy. I'll tell you one thing that I've spotted the most about Brother Sadler is he loves people. He loves you. I've sat back there in my little cubby hole and watched him mingle around all of you guys, and he loves you with a passion. I tell him I was never a good pastor. The problem was people. I mean, I could have been an incredible pastor, but it was just people. I'm just kidding. I do love y'all. Acts chapter 9, you find this story of Ananias. Verse number 10, it said there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias, to whom said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, he said, Behold, I am here, the Lord said, 
And to him arise and go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas one called Saul of Tarshish. For behold he prayeth. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive sight. Then Ananias answered the Lord. Check out Facebook. Well, that's in the newest King James Version right here. Ananias, in modern terms, would have said, hey, you need to check out Facebook. You need to look at his Snapchat account. You need to know this is a bad dude. For real. Ananias begins to tell the Lord all the reasons why he can't go down there. Because he already knows all about him. Ananias already knows Saul's story. It's good preaching whether you believe it or not. He already knows his story. He's telling his story. He's reminding the Lord of of Saul's story. If you don't think I'm in the Holy Ghost, you're missing it because I'm telling you, this word is for you. There's a lot of your adversary trying to tell your story and it's keeping you from being productive for the kingdom of God. It's keeping you from doing all that God intended for you to do. You and I have to say today, not again, not ever again. i got a story and I have been redeemed by it. I've got a story and I've been washed in the blood by it today. But my story is not going to keep me from becoming. And I'm going to prove it to you. So Ananias tells him, I've heard by many things of this man how much evil he has done to the saints At Jerusalem, everybody say his story. And he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on his name. Everybody say his story. Ananias was telling the Lord about his story as if the Lord didn't know it. In case you were sleeping, this is a bad dude. But notice what verse 15 says. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. You hearing me? Ananias wanted to tell the Lord Saul's story, but the Lord wanted Ananias to know it's not who he is. It's who he's fixing to become. Without being insulting, can I say, that is some of you in this room right now. Some of you have got a story. But before this service ends today, I'm going to have a becoming moment. I'm going to have a moment that I say, Lord, my story is my story. I can't change it. I can't rewrite it. I can't fix it. But what I can do is become what you call me to be. If you're a preacher, preach. If you're a teacher, teach. If you're an evangelist, evangelize. If you're a a disciple maker, make disciples. The Lord said to him, go thy way, for he's a chosen vessel. Again, the Lord is having a conversation about not who he was at that moment, but what God's intentions was. 
Now see, what holds you and I back sometimes is the fact if we just knew what the Lord was doing. And I wrote this in my notes. Was it last weekend? I think I wrote them. And I wrote them and I hid them from my wife until I was preaching it. But the Lord instructed me of this. If I can say, I know what the Lord is doing, then I need to admit that the Lord didn't do it. If I can say, I know what the Lord's doing, then I must admit the Lord didn't do it. Because oftentimes in my life, I understand He does things that He doesn't consult with me about. And if He does that with me, you need to buckle up. He does it with you too. And what you and I need to get a hold of is the fact that, Lord, whatever journey you take me on, as long as the final destination is in your presence, as long as the final destination, I hear you say, well done, as long as that final destination is, has streets of gold, has a mansion for me. Come on, somebody. If that final destination is that I will always be found in your presence. But he's chosen. You know how many of you in this room are chosen? Every one of you. You're handpicked by God. I, prove that to me. There's none of you in this room have the same DNA. There's not one of you in this room that have the same fingerprints. So God obviously chose us separately and individually. He handpicked us. See, we read these biblical characters and we think, oh my Lord, those people were so special. But yet then I have to remind you that he's no respecter of persons. What he done for one, he'll do for all. He didn't just save one race, he saved all races. Oh, come on somebody. You understand that when they went down and they realized that the Gentiles... We're getting the Holy Ghost. The Bible said those that came down with them, with Peter and John, were amazed that on also the Gentiles was the Holy Ghost poured out. That was the first revelation that God was not just saving the Jewish people. He was saving everybody. And if He's saving everybody... He distinctly chose to save every individual one of us because we have a unique DNA. We have a unique distinctness that connects us with Him. And so when He looks at Ananias and He said, You go your way, for He's chosen. Anybody chosen here? I'm chosen. I'm handpicked. If you leave here thinking that I have boasted about who me and Sister Vic are, you've missed it. Because I'll tell you real quick, we're still becoming. We're still on this development road. We're still trying to figure this out. Come on, church. We're still trying to figure out exactly what God's going to do with us. I mean, every time we come off the foreign field, somebody tells us, hey, y'all are fixing to be missionaries. I mean, every time we go somewhere, people are flooding our text message. Okay, bye-bye. Here you go. You're going. No, God's never told me I'd be a missionary. God did tell me I would go in and out a bunch. But we're on this journey. You're on this journey. 
But he tells him, he said, you're chosen to bear my name before the Gentiles. And the kings and the children of Israel. He said, I'm going to show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. So Ananias is only seeing and reading his story. But God's got a becoming adventure for him. Aren't you interested in knowing what you're going to become? But you can't get off first base because you're always worried about somebody reading your story. Can we break that today? What would this Smyrna area be like if this apostolic church today broke that cycle of being stopped by our story? I heard pastor say a while ago, maybe, maybe somebody in this room is, is at a 90-day freedom from some, something that was pulling you down, holding you, or some habit that, that addicted you. And you're at that 90-day mark. That was your story. That's not who you're becoming. But it, Brother Vic, if you knew where I'd been, that was your story. That's not who you're becoming. Say this out loud with me. That's my story. But that's not who I'm becoming. Don't you love it when the Scripture makes it personal? Don't you love it when the Word fits my life? Would you agree right now this fits your life? This fits exactly who you are. If you go on and read Saul's story, but if you'll read about it, the other disciples were frightful when they heard him come into their midst because they knew his story. They knew his story. What's this guy doing here? Hey, security! what I'm preaching to you today it's not who you are right now it's who I'm fixing to become anybody believe that today you, are you ready to take that step of faith today are you ready for that to be a part of your journey because I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost this moment is when you make that decision this moment right here I'm moving past that you probably will be reminded that some family member, some close friend may remind you, oh man, remember when we used to do so and so? Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, that was my story. But that's not who I'm becoming. Thank you for listening today. You can reach us at our website, www.tpos.church. To donate, you can use our text to give number at 615. 615- Four nine zero nine four four two. Until next time, go with God.